Welcome to It's All Right, Get West London's Fulham podcast. I am Matt Storey, your host for today, and I'm joined, as ever, by Ryan O'Donovan, our Fulham reporter. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Matt. And also today by Rob Waro. Hello, Rob. Hi, Matt. Uh, so it's another disappointing weekend for Fulham, with a one-all draw against bottom of the table, Bolton. Uh, Sammy Amiobi got the goal in the 30th minute for the visitors before Tom Kearney rescued the point in the 94th minute. Um, Ryan, you were at the game and Kevin McDonald said we can't keep saying the same things after the game, but we are saying the same things. Another disappointing performance. Yeah, we, are, we do seem to be saying the same things, not just about the performance, but about Fulham as a whole. You know, we've got disappointing performances, we've got late goals again, disappointing defending and, you know, lack of strikers scoring. So yeah, Kevin McDonald, he says we can't keep saying the same things, but that's what fans are saying at the moment because it's just not quite clicking for Fulham for whatever reason. Um we spoke last week about the strikers, but we'll start off at the back. Another quote from Kevin McDonald, which was very damning. He said, the goal was pathetic. It was embarrassing to let a goal in like that. You can't do it. What was your take on it when it happened? And how can you stop something like that happening? Because it's not good enough. No, I think you look at it and the term schoolboy defending does come into your head. Because even kids at an under-15 level aren't going to be defending like that. You know, the long balls come from the Bolton keeper. Fulham looked to have switched off. Callas and Reem have let Amiobi take the ball down, turn at them, beat them both, and then stall it in the bottom of the corner. You know, you're looking at that and you're just thinking that's not that's not championship quality. That's not even you know top end league one quality. If you want, that shouldn't be happening at all. Even for a side that that's as good as Fulham, chasing promotion. You know, that, uh, Thomas Callas is on loan from Chelsea. You know, he's he he says he could play for Chelsea eventually. Tim Reem, you know, he's he's an experienced defender. He's been pretty decent. You know, from halfway through last season up to this season they shouldn't be letting that happen no matter who the striker is so yeah I think Kevin McDonald's completely right it was ex- extremely poor and if you want to be getting promoted from the championship you know, you've got to cut that out straight away Is there a worry that, that maybe he's pointing fingers so publicly there should that be should he be saying that in public? You know, I, I don't think it's Kevin McDonald pointing fingers you know if anyone says who's the first person that's going to support another player everyone's going to say Kevin McDonald you know, he, I think Although Tom Kearney's the captain, the leader on the pitch vocally is Kevin McDonald, and I think I don't think he's necessarily pointing fingers there. He's just unhappy with the result. He he knows the defending. He hasn't said any names in there. He just said the defending was poor. So he's he's not publicly outing anyone like that. I don't think or anything like that. I just think he is angry after the game, and he knows defending's not good enough. He's not going to say, well, you know, our defending was good because it wasn't. He'd just be lying. And Kevin McDonald's not like that. And I think you saw on the pitch when they conceded the goal, you know, there's 18,000 people there and everyone saw Kevin McDonald having a right go at the two centre-backs. So if he's done that publicly on, on the pitch, he's not going to come out afterwards and say, oh, the defending was all right. He's just speaking the truth. And you know, we, we all know Kevin McDonald always does that. And obviously you mentioned Kearney there, who is the captain and got that last-minute goal. I mean, he's, he's unlikely to start tonight, but can he be that catalyst to making his first start since August it was? Yeah, I think so. I think you look at Tom Kearney and... You know, those first 20 minutes, Fulham were playing... They were playing decently, you know. Bolton had nothing in the game. They had no foothold. I don't think they'd really tested the, the goal. And obviously, Aite's goal was was called offside for whatever reason. I don't know why. You know, the, the linesman's obviously thought yeah. one of them was offside, but he's clearly onside. So, you think if, if they go 1-0 up there, they're playing decent football. It's, it's probably a different game, but these are all ifs and buffs. But yeah, Tom Kearney, you know... He's Fulham's best player. He's probably one of the best players in the championship. And you could see the difference with him in the side, even on Saturday. You know, he's looking which way to go. He's clearly not fully fit yet. He's not 
completely in his rhythm. But he could, yeah, he could well be the catalyst. I mean, they've still got to manage his injury. You don't want to, you know, wear Tom Kenny out. There's three games in the space of six days. They play tonight and they play against Wolves on Friday. So starting your first game since August on Saturday, when you know you're still not fully fit. You're unlikely to play every all, all three of the games, so they're going to have to look at doing something about Kearney. But he, he definitely, once, a, once you get a fully fit Kearney, he definitely could be the catalyst for Fulham going forward from here. Rob, you obviously, you cover Palace normally, you've got a, a player in Wolf Zaha who can lift the team like that. How much? I mean, just. I think every team has, has one, don't they? You know, there's, there's usually one person that you turn to in, you know, a time of need and, and when things aren't going so well, you know, to lift the spirits and. Have an impact with with those around him. I mean, certainly from you know, my perspective, when I've been covering Palace, you know, Zaha has had that impact for them. I think you know you, you see it with Tom Kearney that he certainly is that the go-to man for for the Fulham fans. You know, he's he is that talisman when he's on the pitch, and you know he he has that impact. I think once, like Ryan said, once he's fully fit, you know, you, you'd expect him to be there with that sort of performance level that we know he can produce. You know, and 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 that then hopefully will have an impact on those around him, lift the fans, the spirits, the moods around Craven Cottage and you know, get Fulham moving up upwards again. Because I think at the moment it just seems to have stalled, doesn't it, with you know the, the, the performances and the results aren't quite happening. You know, particularly at home, I think that's that, that must be a big bugbear for uh, Slavisa Jukanovic that you know they're not getting these results at home. It seems like Bolton they really should be winning those sort of games, you know, and I think Jukanovic sort of hinted at that by his comments afterwards didn't he and just said you know this is not acceptable we should be beating teams like this and I think he's, he's spot on with that you know any fan of any club in the championship probably this weekend looked at that one and thought well Fulham will win that and they haven't well I know Ryan Ryan said Bolton are a league one side earlier so I mean whether that's harsh or not it says it all um, Slav said I think he said after the game we're frustrated but satisfied because we got the late goal and I would say that that's not a feeling replicated by Fulham fans there's no sense of been satisfied at that result. Mm. A few are saying, "Is he under pressure?" You strongly feel against that. Don't yeah, you? there's the, I, there's no way in my view that Slavica Jukanovic should be under pressure at Fulham at the moment. You know, it's his second full season in charge. With the help from the recruitment team, he's taken Fulham from being a near enough relegation fodder to one of the best teams in the division. So, I mean, yeah, they have started great. I suppose expectations were raised a bit at the way they ended last season. But you look at the comparison from last season, they're not too far off where they were this time last year, you know. They went on that amazing run starting the last weekend last year with that 5-0 win against Huddersfield. You know, you can't you can't really compare last season this season. It's completely different. But, yeah, to, to say Djokanovic is under pressure, you know, he's not performing as well as he was doing last season is, is nonsense in my view. You know, they're, they, they're still getting results without playing as well as they can. So if you look at it that way, you know, Fulham, they're going to start performing sooner or later. They've got their too good a squad not to. So when they do start performing, if they're still hanging on the tailcoats of the playoffs, they're going to be in the playoffs come the end of the season if they perform to to their potential. So, yeah, Djokanovic, there's no way he should be under pressure in my view. He, he obviously knows what he's doing. He's got Fulham playing good football. It's just a matter of it all clicking. I think when it does, someone's in for a beating. I'll just go back to something Rob said a minute ago. There's a player rubs off on someone. You gave Rufont a three and Abubakar Kamara a five on Saturday. Is Kearney coming back to full fitness? Surely that's got to help them because they've got to start firing eventually. Yeah, obviously having Kearney as a playmaker is going to help any forward. But I think with the likes of Rufont, it's about finding his right position. Because, you know, he's been pushed out to the wing and he doesn't really work out at the wing. You know, he's been played in number 10 behind 
Kamara, and, and it, it kind of worked against Forrest, and you know it, it looked decent, but it's just not been clicking for him for whatever reason. I think with Font, it's about finding his right position and, and playing him there because he's only become a bad striker overnight. I know people are saying he's dreadful, and I've given him a few bad ratings, but that's based on his performances. He's not a bad striker. I wouldn't say Rui Font's a bad striker. You look at his last season, he's got 11 goals in 30 games. That's only two, like one goal every two games. He's not a bad striker. He definitely hasn't become a bad striker overnight coming to England for whatever reason. He's just not performing. So I think with Font, I think it will happen eventually. It's just about finding the right thing for him. And with Kamara, it was one of his better games on Saturday. But, you know, he should still be... I gave him a five because he should still be better doing a bit better against Bolton. He didn't really threaten the goal at all. He stuck one over one-on-one from, you know, like 10, 11 yards out. That's not good enough. He should be scoring that. But it was one of his better games. He was using the channel as well. He's using his pace and his, his strength against them. But I, I think with Kamara, he's still only 22 years old. He's never played in a championship before. He's come over from France. He's so raw yeah. that he needs someone else there to learn from. Font's that man. He clearly is, like 27 years old. He's the man with the experience that Kamara's going to learn off. So it's just about using the pair of them in, in the right way and finding the best thing for them. And we'll leave uh, Ryan to work on his maths there with one in two from 11 in 13. But, uh, <laughs> it's near <laughs> enough. <laughs> we'll go on to... I know you certainly mentioned before you think Ryan Sessegnon should be played further forward. And that's another case of putting players in their best position. Is that, is that an issue at the minute that... Too many players are they being played out position? I or mean, is it just a couple? I think it's just a couple, and you've got to look at it as well. The reason Ryan Sessegnon is being played at left back is because Scott Malone was sold in the summer to Huddersfield, and the replacement they got in in Rafa Suarez has been injured, so he's lacking. He's a pro pre-season behind the rest of the side. So although he's he's fit now, he's still got a lot of work to do to get up to the levels that the squad are at. So I think with the with Ryan Sessegnon, is he's he's played left back before. We've seen he's, he can do it. He's been put in there to fill the to fill the gap. I think Slav thinks he's a better option than Dennis Adoy is at left back for whatever reason. So he's gonna fill that gap with Ryan Sessegnon. You'd rather have Ryan Sessegnon on the pitch than not at all. So I think for the moment that's why Ryan Sessegnon's been using that gap. Because Slav obviously thinks he's a better option than Dennis Doy. But I do think we need to start seeing Suarez integrated into the first team a bit more. You know, he needs to start playing. He's obviously got untold amount of quality if Liverpool were after him in the summer. And that Fulham apparently allegedly beat off a couple of Premier League sides to his signing. So, and I've seen Suarez in open training, and he looked very, very good down the wing. His balls looked good. He looked good on the pitch. So, I think going forward here, I think we need to see Suarez at left back and Ryan Sessegnon push further forward, and then we'll see the same attacking threat that the right wing have at the moment with Fredericks, as we did last season with the left when Malone was playing on the overlap with Sessegnon. I think Suarez can provide that. Is, is, is he close? Because obviously three games in seven days, two in four now with a Friday night and a Tuesday night. What better time yeah, than, I'd, than I'd, now? I think we'd be, I'd be very surprised if we don't see him. You know, Jukanovic uh, has said he's got a usually squad for these, for these games. And they're not easy games. You've got fourth place tonight and then you've got Wolves on, on Saturday and they're right at the top of the league. So you're, he's going to have to use his squad and make sure that, that, that players are fit, that they're fresh and that they can bring something different to the side. So I think this, this, this week is the perfect opportunity to see Suarez putting at left-back. And kind of looking ahead to tonight, then let's put, put Saturday to bed a bit, because as we said, it's the same things at the minute. Tonight, Bristol City are a team on the up, one at Sunderland, which obviously everyone wins at Sunderland. I don't think they've won in a year at home. But they won at Sunderland at the weekend. It's, a different, it's the kind of game that if you'd beat Bolton, you'd say it's certainly winnable, but having drawn with Bolton, it just makes this test look that much tougher. It is... Very difficult, but 
I know the home form hasn't been great, but I think it's only one loss all season there. They've all, the other five have been draws. So they'll still be looking, Fulham though they're a good side, they'll still be looking to tonight as a winnable game. They're at home. But yeah, you know, Bristol City is such a tough t- task. They've, they're playing so well this season. You know, they've got goals in that squad. They've got height in, in defence, set pieces. So it's, it's not going to be an easy test. You would, you, out of these two games, you were looking at Bolton as the easier game and the one to get the three points from. I said four points would be a good haul from it, but I was more expecting three from Saturday and one from tonight. If they do it the other way around, you're not going to complain, but it'll be a, a bit strange and they'll be disappointed that they didn't get six from six. But um, yeah, Bristol City is going to be a really tough test, you know. It's the type of game that Fulham could go out and, you know, do what Fulham do yeah. and batter them like they did with Huddersfield and Newcastle last season, where it could be a real slog and a, a tough game for Fulham to, to get something out of. I think it'd be a big confidence booster if they can get three points against Bristol City, a side that are playing well. I mean, I saw Bristol City last week against Crystal Palace and, you know, yes, it was a, a second string Crystal Palace side and Bristol City made a few changes themselves, but... They looked very good going forward. You know, they they were full of confidence, playing at home, right? They they were you know cheered on by the fans, but they in the second half particularly could have scored you know at will almost. And I I was impressed with them. You know, I, I thought they were a good side. They were well drilled. They they sort of came through a, a tough patch in the first half against Palace, where Palace were on top early on, and then once they got the goal, they never looked back. You know, and I thought well. Yeah, this is a team that you can see why they're, they're doing so well in the championship. You know, they're, they're, as you say, they've got goals, they've got threats from set pieces. You know, they've got players who've got a bit of pace. If Fulham aren't on their game, it's going to be a very difficult one. But like we said on the flip side, I think if Fulham can produce that level of performance that we know they can, and you know can go out and beat Bristol City, then all of a sudden it, it changes the complexion of things, doesn't it? And you think actually, as Ryan says, you know, four points out of six would be a good a reasonable haul from, from those two games even if it's perhaps would come the other way around you know I mean I think going into the weekend and obviously then the international break you know it would be it would be a big boost and a timely one really going into to Wolves away because that's not easy It's not but I think if you look at it as well if they go out and beat Bristol City tonight 3-0 Rui Font scores twice or Kamara scores everyone's going to forget about the problems you know they've got a clean sheet the first one since August the strikers are scoring and they've beat a team that's in fourth place playing the Fulham way and I think if they do that tonight everyone forgets about the problems of the last week and they'll forget about the Bolton results so tonight in that sense is even more important really I think it is important they keep a clean sheet at some point as well and sort of get that monkey mm-hmm. off the back isn't it because the longer that that goes on you know the more people will start talking about it and say you know is this, is this the root of the problem because it, I know Fulham didn't keep many clean sheets last season but you know still if you, if you want to be a successful side you do need to be strong at the back and I, I Personally, I feel that it's, it is an issue that needs addressing with Fulham. You know, they, they yes, they play great football and you know on their day are, are a joy to watch. But I think you do also need to cut out the errors and you know goals like Saturday, as we said earlier. You know that you can't that can't happen. You know if you if you're going if you're going to be getting to the playoffs, you've got to you know kick that out of the game and, and get that you know addressed. And I think. That is one thing that, that Fulham do need to do, and if they can, then you know they could be turning these draws into wins at home, and and all of a sudden it, it changes things. You know they, they they start pushing up the table further, and you know, all of a sudden those those games where you think, oh well, we've we've drawn this sort of game before, actually they're going to it more with more confidence, and hopefully they get more you know three points more often than not. And that's what I've always said: the championships are built on the fences. You know, if you've got a mean defence and don't ship goals. Likely near the series, you're going to be up there come the end of the season. So, 
yeah, Fulham, I think Fulham do need to, to do something about the defence, but I know Djokanovic has always said he'd prefer a 1-0 win over a 4-2 victory. He's always wanted these 1-0 wins, you know, like the old Arsenal way. So I, it's definitely high on Djokanovic's priority list. It's just about applying it and cutting out the mistakes. I think it's interesting, though, because if you look at the top of the table, Wolves have conceded the same amount of goals as, as Fulham. They're second. Bristol City have conceded 15 goals as well. They're fourth. So, I mean, whilst you want to be good at the back, there is still that need to find goals going forward. Um, I know you picked up on one of Slav's comments where he, he mentioned Aidan Flint specifically, similar to what he did with John Terry, who then went and scored. Is that is that going to be an area where, where Fulham come unstuck tonight? Fulham have looked good at defending set-pieces this season, but yeah, when Djokanovic mentioned to me before the Villa game that they need to be careful from the set-pieces and they pinpointed John Terry as the as the danger man then he went and scored which he was always going to do against Fulham you know get his first Villa goal against Fulham was always going to happen so for him to pick out, pick out Flint tonight and say they're going to be a danger from set pieces I think he described them as being over two metres tall which was a, <laughs> an interesting way of putting it but yeah they're going to be dangerous from set pieces when you've got players of height in, in the side but Jukanovic seems confident that they'll be able to deal with it he said the one against Villa was probably the only one that they've conceded and the ball from Hurrahan for that was inch perfect so John Terry's always going to score from that so tonight, they'll be confident with the set pieces. I think they'll, they'll deal with them pretty well. But is it going to be in the back of their mind knowing that John Terry scored from the set piece and they're marking players like Aidan Flint who, who, who are good in the air and tall? It, it is a problem and it could it could come to bite them, but they'll have worked on it, won't they? And yeah. It's something they needed to improve on from last season. I think they have. Um, we'll just touch on the Wolves game slightly because obviously we won't have another pod before then. Wolves is the sort of game that they're going to attack Fulham. Well, we don't know how Bristol City will set up tonight. They've conceded three goals against Wolves, three against Leeds. Mm. But just looking at it, they've kept clean sheets at Norwich. They've only conceded one at Ipswich, one at Sunderland. The Wolves game, if they attack Fulham, that could play into their hands. It, yeah, a team that attacks Fulham would play into Fulham's hand. But you know, then you've got to go and outscore them because Wolves are going to score goals on Friday. I think they're going to score at least two goals. So Fulham have to go and match them at their own game. And at the moment, the way the players are in front of goal, have they, have they got the Arsenal to do that? Just I'm, makes tonight all more important. I'm not so sure. That's why it makes so, tonight so important. If they get, from those three games, if they get four points, yeah. then I think it'll be a good haul. You know, that Wolves, I see, is kind of like a free hit. You know, if you go to Wolves and beat them, then that's a bonus three points for Is me. it still a free hit without three points tonight, though? No. No, if they, don't, <laughs> if they don't get the three points tonight, then one point from three games in a, in a run that involved Bolton at home yeah. is, is poor. Yeah. There's no way to paint that. No, absolutely. Um, for all the worrying about Fulham's first team, end on a, on a more positive note. Stephen Sessignon playing in the Under-17s World Cup final. Two assists, a goal line clearance. I mean, unbelievable for him, really. Unbelievable for the whole team. It's the stuff dreams are made of for the young lad, isn't it? You know, you it's easy to forget that both the Cessignon twins are just 17 years old. You've got Ryan Cessignon playing week in, week out in the championship, making you know experienced championship defenders look like they're the 17-year-old boy. And then you've got Stephen going out to India, not playing the first few group games, getting a place in the last game against Iran and keeping it and going all the way to the final and coming up with two assists to help win them. So it's, just, it's, it's great for Fulham, it's great for... Sessing on it's great for the academy and Hugh Jennings. You know what Fulham are doing in that academy is is something else. They've got some really good young players in there. You know you've got players like Matt O'Reilly in there as well, who's not playing first team football at the moment, but he looks he's 16 years old as well and he looks head and shoulders above everyone in that academy. So 
yeah, it's great for Fulham and you know winning a World Cup at under seventeen. You know, you can go on to do. You know, you've got that under your belt. There's nothing stopping you going on to become a Premier League footballer, becoming, you know, top quality. So he's what Stephen's got to do now. He's got he's got to knuckle down again and get get going. You've won the under seventeen World Cup, which is a fantastic achievement, but that's in the past now. You're only seventeen years old. You've got your whole career ahead of you. You've got to use that experience, but you've got to go ahead and you know match Ryan. He's got to match Ryan now and getting into the Fulham first team. Obviously, it depends a lot on Jukanovic, but if Ryan's in the first team at the same age, Stephen's target has to be to get into the first team as well and I guess as you said if Ryan's are at the same age they've got as much of a chance as anyone else of all the players at your cities and your Chelsea's I mean obviously oh. people like Phil Foden are being talked about but will we ever see them get a chance you don't, you don't know no and I think it's good that in a sense that Stephen has gone under the radar a bit you know people are obviously going to compare him to Ryan but if you, if you look at them both if you looked at the under 17 final on Saturday whenever it was very similar players you know going forward getting balls into the box they're both different sides. So who says that by the end of the season, you know, well, next season we might not see Ryan Sesson on, on the left side of the pitch and his brother Stephen on the far side playing in the same Fulham team. I know Hugh Jennings has said one we will see both Sessignons in the same Fulham side eventually. Who's to say we might not see that in an FA Cup game this season or towards the start of next season? I'm sure that'll give great satisfaction to everyone involved as well. Um, whilst we're talking about the under-17s, I know this is something that Ryan is... <laughs> really not happy with the quote. So I'll read you from Danny Murphy, obviously old Fulham player. Um, I don't know if you've seen the photos, but when England under-17s lifted the World Cup, they'd actually turned their shirts around, so all their names were on the front, um, which probably came about because I think Phil Foden did it to collect his his golden ball for player of the tournament, and they all did it. All their names were on the front. And Danny Murphy on TalkSport has said, there's no England badge in the picture of them winning the World Cup. For me, that's wrong. They've all turned their shirts around because they want their names across their chests so everybody across the world can see who they are. They're all saying, I'm a good young player coming through, look at me, but that in itself is what is wrong with society. In effect, they're thinking about fame as well as being a footballer, and I think it creates a big debate here. Um, fairly damning comments about teenagers getting excited winning a World Cup from Murphy. We'll start with Rob, your take on that? Um, you know, they've just won a World Cup, haven't they? I think they are almost entitled to do what they want, <laughs> to be honest. Not a lot of people who have. I know, I know, but, I, you know... In that sort of heat of the moment, you know, when, you, when you've just won a World Cup, are you really thinking about your actions and what what you're, you know, saying to everybody? I don't know. I mean, it, it's a bit strange. We haven't seen that sort of celebration before, you know, with every player doing it. I think I can understand that viewpoint. And yes, you know, there'll be plenty of people who are sort of patriotic and will say, oh, you're not, you're not proud to play for England. I think that they showed in their performance and, you know, the, the reactions when they were scoring goals, they were certainly proud to be wearing that shirt and winning a tournament. I mean, there's, you know, there's no better feeling than winning a, a World Cup, is there? I imagine, you know, if you're, if you're a young player growing up, you, you dream of winning major trophies, don't you? And, and if you're, you know, if, you're, if you get, you're lucky enough to get to play for your country, you dream of winning a World Cup. All right, this isn't a senior World Cup, but still, this is, you know, they're the best at their own age level. So, you know, fair play to them, and I think you've got to give them credit. And if they, if that's what they chose to do, maybe there is a sense of you know, oh, we want to get our names out there. You know, some of these players probably weren't heard of before this this tournament. You know, they might be within their own clubs. You know, Fulham fans would have known about Stephen Setignon, and Man City fans might have, you know be aware of Phil Foden, Ryan Brewster. You know, there might be players who, who've hit the sort of headlines a little bit throughout this tournament and are now becoming a bit more well known 
But you know, the majority of those players in that squad, a lot of people going there wouldn't have known who they were. So you know, I can understand why they might have done it. And as for Danny Murphy's comments, I can see where he is getting at. But you know, I think that these these guys have just won, won the World Cup. Let them do it. You know, that's Rob's conservative take on events. <laughs> I'm not sure Ryan. You are as no. I just, I just think it's grumpy old man comments, isn't it? Like these lads are seventeen-year-olds. They're, they're realistically they're still kids. They've just won a World Cup. You know, England don't. You know, when was the last time the senior team won World Cup? Sixty-six. Like mm-hmm. the England teams, the summer's been great for them. They're seventeen years old. They've won the World Cup. Who cares if they put their their names on the front of the shirt? What's the big deal? Like, let them enjoy their evening. Let them enjoy their night. They've They've done fantastic to come from two goals down to, to win that. Let them do what they want. Like they're, they're, they're kids at the end of the day. They're 17 years old and, and under. They're, they're, and the thing is with England, how many of these players, people were saying, oh, yeah, they won the World Cup, but how many are going to actually make it through the first teams? That's their exact point by doing this. They've got their names on the front of the shirt. It's more, you know, it could be more of a message to the club saying, look, Mark, this is who I am. I've won the World Cup. I have the talent and ability to play in... Man City's first team. They're playing Liverpool's first team. Why? Why can't I get the chance? They're saying, "Oh, how many of these teams will get senior England call-ups?" They've obviously proved they're good enough for with the potential. This is just a message to say, "Look, I am good enough. Let why, let me play in the first team eventually." You know, Man City likes that. They're bringing stars from abroad to play in there, and they don't give the youth a chance. This is their 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 chance to showcase themselves and showcase who they are. Why not let them have it? No, I, I 100% agree with you. I think in the heat of the moment, um, that is, it's all it is. It's just getting excited about winning the World Cup. Um, anyway, that's it from this episode of It's All White. Uh, make sure you're on Get West London tonight if you're not at the cottage uh, for the game of Bristol City. And uh, later this week for the Wolves game as well. I know Ryan's particularly looking forward to tonight as he uh, reviews the new wine bar at the cottage. Um, and all the coverage will be there for the rest of the week. Uh, and the same time next week, we'll have our fourth episode of It's All White. Thank you very much.